Welcome to the Edinburgh University Students Association Teaching Awards podcast series, working with the Institute for Academic Development's Hybrid Learning Exchange to celebrate those who have been nominated and shortlisted for this year's awards. In spite of the challenging and ever-changing academic year we've had, both through adapting learning approaches and keeping students engaged and motivated, over 1,300 different staff were nominated in over 2,800 nominations, making it the biggest since 2012. We will be speaking to staff from across the university, from professional services and support staff, student tutors and academics, from a range of schools and departments. With the awards this year, we want to recognise the commitment demonstrated by all our nominees, many of whom have continued to provide an excellent standard of teaching and student support in challenging personal and professional circumstances. Some have been based here in Edinburgh, many have been scattered across the globe. Many have had cats, dogs and other pets feature in the background of their teaching. Many had to try new and innovative ways to apply their practice to an online setting. All had to deal with wavering internet connections and clashing time zones, fostering a sense of community in their students and developing their approach week by week. In this series, we hope to explore the experiences of some that have been shortlisted, to discuss their experiences of this year, the impact of the awards to them, and how their role in the university has developed this year. So thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Grace Lavender, my pronouns are she, her, and um, I'm a fourth year undergraduate religious studies student. So I'm finishing up my degree with my final exam next Monday, which is a bit scary. I don't really know what life's gonna be like post uni, but um, it's exciting as well. This past year, I've been the student council facilitator. So um, in that role, every month I've been um, convening student council, listening to students kind of um, concerns, but also all the amazing things that students have been doing, all the student led campaigns that have been going on, um, people applying for funding for those, people trying to change student association policy. And I've also been hearing from the sabbatical officers about what they've been doing um, surrounding student life in Edinburgh. And of course, um, one of the major things has been to do with COVID and uh, mitigating COVID-19 and also trying to come up with innovative ways of dealing with the um, impacts of COVID on all of our lives. Um, my guests here today, Glenn and Crispin, if you'd like to introduce yourselves very briefly, um, especially your work to do with what we're talking about today, which is, of course, teaching. Thank you very much, Grace, and good morning to you all. Um, it's lovely to be with you. I'll pronounce my surname just because it's so unpronounceable for a lot of people. So it's Cousquer. Uh, it's it's from Brittany. My my uh, my background um, is is very multicultural. And I think a lot of that comes into my my teaching. I guess it's quite relevant to to that. So my um, association with the vets with the with the University of Edinburgh goes back to the 90s when I came here as a vet student and I retrained in in education, specifically in experiential education, so outdoor and and, and uh, environmental education in the sort of mid 2000s and then did my PhD in, in, in animal geographies here at Edinburgh as well and, and now found myself back at the vet school it's quite a circuit uh, sort of a weird circle that's uh, sort of completed itself uh, and I'm responsible for, for, for two MSc programs in uh, conservation medicine and one health so they're, they're two very holistic interstrict transdisciplinary fields that in many ways are very groundbreaking and, and, and speak to a lot of the needs that our students see in the world. You know, the, 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 faith, the crises that we, we are faced with in the Anthropocene um, demand systems thinking, demand these holistic approaches. And so it's really nice to be bringing my sort of very multidisciplinary, multicultural background to that. 
you know, in my in my lecturing and in the coordination of those programs. Great, thank you so much. And Crispin, over to you. So um, my name is Crispin Jordan. My pronouns are he and him. My career trajectory is unusual. So first, first of all, I'll say that I, I teach statistics and experimental design in the School of Biomedical Science, um, but I am not a statistician. I, I ended up in teaching because I, I basically I, I find it really important. But that sounds really dumb, especially in this context, because you know obviously we're talking to people who who, who value teaching. I love doing research. I'll just tell you my story. Back in the 1990s, when I was first starting out my research career, um, I found I loved research, but I ended up volunteering for a non-governmental organization. Um, I'm Canadian. It was the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society. And from that, I really gained an appreciation for outreach and started to get a feeling that as much as I loved research, I, I wanted to bring more to society as my research, while I loved it, didn't seem to have that much societal impact. And so that led me out of academia and I taught high school uh, in the United States for a while. But then I really missed research because it's fun. And then I ended up going back to my PhD. And my ultimate goal was to get a position where I could do the teaching and the research. I kind of view Research is something that I do just for fun. You know, it's something that's almost like a selfish enterprise. But research, I see, is a thing that has the real societal impact. And then I'll basically jump ahead and say I ended up in Edinburgh um, because I met my wife at a wedding and things happened and, and we're here. And I ended up taking the position that I have now even though I want research and teaching, I took the position that I have now because I value teaching, but it was also largely a family-based decision. Um, we've got kids and we want a position that, that could provide some stability to the family. And I still get some opportunity for research. It's, it's pretty limited, but I still get some. Uh, but I, I teach data analysis because that's what I'm skilled in, but also it's something that I really love because I feel it is the, the engine for understanding or for how we understand the world. Um, and I love teaching how science works and giving students a sense, uh, removing the sense of mystery for how science works. What do the teaching awards mean to you personally? I think there's two ways of answering that question. I mean, one is to say, what, what does it mean to be on the receiving end? And maybe that's something we'll talk more about later. In short, I'll just say it's wonderful. But I want to think about another perspective, which is just what's the function of the teaching awards? Um, and my feeling is the teaching awards fulfill a really important function at the university because they allow us to have a conversation about how to interact with students, what do students need, um, what's effective. And in essence, I, I think, I was thinking about this last night, and what struck me is I think the teaching awards, the teaching awards fulfill a form of teaching in themselves. 
because in this case, it is the students teaching the university about what they value. Um, and I think that's extremely valuable because education should be a, a community affair and it's going to work best when you have a dialogue between the two different bodies that are interacting. And I think the teaching awards are an excellent way to make that happen. That's a lovely sentiment. Glenn, what about you? Um, I, I really like what Crispin's just shared there and it, it, it echoes, um, it resonates very much with, with my view. Uh, so one of the things that I've, I guess I've, I've pioneered in my own work has been uh, a dialogical approach to understanding our relationship to you know to the world and to and to um, the, the, especially the more than human world and and for me that 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 implies this this reciprocity and I see a real hunger for this in our students you know a lot of them um, have been very frustrated by the you know the, the sort of dominant objective view of you know that prevails in education and this the relationality this this agency that we have to create a better world often gets overlooked. And I think one thing that I always feel is, is, is that I'm being, being a little bit heretical, you know, a little bit of a, a sort of um, heretic or, or, or a mystic in kind of dangling this, 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 this carrot that our change makers, um, that the change makers coming through the, the, you know, the school, because the, you know, the students are the future, you know, they, they, they very much are you know what it, what the world is all about really and, and and why you know people like crispin and myself are, are, are here that passion for you know why can't it be different you know why does it have to be like this um kind of feeds into this and i, I think in my when i've read the feedback that i've had through the teaching awards this year you know i've been moved to you know, such an extent it's the best feedback i've you know i've i've ever had i don't get this from you know from 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 line management you know there's no there's no real sense of appreciation of the of the of the work this really comes through from the from the students and that's when you know you're making a difference and and when you then see the students going on to to applying that or, or testing it out or living it uh, particularly the living it you know when they um a lot of my work tends to sort of focus on coaching so it's very student-centered and when people explore their own questions and, and it's like it becomes their own question they have that ownership of the question um it's yeah, it's amazing uh, to see, and I, I think that's why I'm so passionate about it. So it kind of it it, it just makes me uh, believe that a little bit more than I am actually doing something you know, meaningful. Glenn, why do you think you were nominated for this award? There are probably lots of reasons for that. So the the, the award that I've been shortlisted for is the um, Social Justice and Sustainability Award. And I think there's there's probably quite a number of reasons that those nominations have been made, and and it, they're they're very much centred around this hunger for um, a better future. And I think a lot of a lot of the challenges we face in the Anthropocene are about reimagining our relationship with the with with nature, with the world, with 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 our wider ecosystem. So this is relevant both to to healthcare and to nature conservation, um, and in, in in the work I do, particularly around creative approaches, so creative methodologies and and, and innovating you know, new new responses to complex challenges, there is um, uh, a bringing in of a creative aspect here to to the co-creation of of of, of um, 
ways forward you know that that, that is still grounded in you know in in, in um you know in, in in sort of the objective sciences but it, that is much freer to explore the futures we really want so it, it allows people to move away from um these these um systems that, that none of us really want you know and, and we're sort of caught up in those systems you know we're caught up on those on those conveyor belts those treadmills you know we're we, we're enculturated and this is part of our education system to 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 um keep just keep reproducing these systems that that most of us actually don't really want and breaking away from that is is is, is really really tough so i think a lot of the the social justice and the sustainability emphases that I place are about um, you know bringing the the injustices into focus you know trying to see why our systems are so unjust why there is so much um, structural and, and attentional violence in the world and why we struggle to operate within the system that we're part of so we struggle to see ourselves as part of that system and therefore you know actually don't behave in ways that are that, that are that are healthy for for this wider system that we're part of and i think all of that is wrapped up i guess in in the social justice and, and sustainability nomination i guess the other the other word i haven't perhaps mentioned is the biodiversity word so a lot of my work is is very much based on promoting a care ethic um towards you know those who we share our environment with so that's obviously you know people um but it's also the more than human. So um, a lot of my work is on is on horses, for example, and and, and equids, and um, you know bringing that aspect in so that people can rethink their their relationality with um, you know with a with a, with, a, with a with a creature such as a horse is you know is, is quite liberating, I think. So there's, there's lots of little bits there, and I could I could I could ramble on all day. So I'm gonna I'm gonna zip it just here and pass over to Crispy. So uh, so you asked about why I think. Well, why Glenn and I think we were nominated. Before I answer that, I just want to say I really appreciate Glenn's perspective. And uh, I, I love his perspective. I, I want to try to add on to what he was saying, or, uh, or maybe just say exactly what he said, but with some different words. So I apologize, Glenn, if I'm, if I'm distorting your message. But kind of, kind of what I'm hearing is a kind of at the center of this is students appreciate learning how to do something you know that sounds really general and maybe too simple but you know glenn's talking about doing big things about how to change the world and how to feel in essence like you matter and and i, I completely agree with that i mean i I'm not trying to give myself a pat on the back when I say say this, but you know, it's like I, I I try to do the same things as Glenn through the teaching statistics. By I tell my students that I don't care about memorizing anything. You know, when you're analyzing data, professional well, professionals and full professors, if they need to know how to do something and they can't remember how to do it, they go to Google. Or they reach up and grab a, a book off their desk, I mean, off their bookshelf. You know, they don't memorize things. I don't memorize things. And so what I think is really important is for the students to learn to do things in terms, and what I really want them to learn to do is to learn to think critically, think about 
you know, how do we know the things that we know? Where does the evidence come from that let us believe the things we believe? And how do we evaluate that evidence? So I'm, 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 I'm not trying to take things away from what Glenn was saying by any means. What I'm trying to do is I'm actually trying to emphasize how much I agree with Glenn and, and how I think it's critical. So maybe, I don't know for me whether or not that perspective is part of why I was nominated. The short answer to the question you actually asked is, uh, I'm not sure why I was nominated. You know, if, if, I, if I knew exactly why I was nominated, then I would try to emulate those things all the time. So I was wondering about this, and I, the way to answer it is to say, I, I went back and just looked at the student nominations um, to see, you know, why, what the students were saying. And I think what they really appreciated was... I put in a lot of work to support them as much as possible. So I changed how I teach. Um, I no longer just use a straight lecture format. I now use a flipped classroom format where I supply students with videos beforehand and that replaces the standard lecture format. That's where they get their information. And then when we have, I don't call them lectures, I call them live sessions. And when we have a live session, um, I approach it by having a variety of things that we could do already. And I let the students decide what they want to do. And if the students have other suggestions, then we follow that avenue. And the purpose of the live sessions is to basically consolidate and clarify everything that they were getting in the, in the lecture part. And we try to do that through uh, activities, some degree of discussion, um, not enough, but some of it um, we do with, you know, anyway, that, exactly what we do isn't really the point. The point is I, I try to have the live sessions entirely be focused on what the students actually need and give the students as much control over those sessions as possible. And then I also just developed a lot of extra materials because Learning online is hard, and just giving them lectures is got to be brutal. If I were in their shoes, it would be really, really hard. So I made sure they had practice problems, and with the practice problems, I ended up writing long documents that gave the answers, and so those are kind of the, the lectures again, but in a different format. Um, I held office hours twice a week so students could come and and chat if they couldn't make those times. I really encourage them to make those times um, because uh, life's challenging for everyone. But if in extreme circumstances they couldn't make those times, we'd have one-on-one -on -one meetings. I'd follow up with students if I knew some of them were struggling. And a, a few students commented on that. They really appreciated you know, just checking up on them, seeing whether or not they're okay. Uh, and so I think generally they just really appreciated trying to give them support. Which I just think that that's, that's what everyone needs. Yeah, no, 100%. I totally agree um, with what you've been saying. And obviously, as a, I'm not trying to lay claim to being some kind of representative of all students ever. But I know in my personal experience over at the School of Divinity, I've had a couple of courses that have a kind of flipped classroom or... Um, um, definitely lecturers who are checking up on me a bit more and it's definitely like very much appreciated and very much something that um, 
that I think students really notice and appreciate. And I know from talking to one of my lecturers that some of the kind of flipped classroom stuff that we've been doing this year via Teams, that she's considering taking that next year into back into the actual like physical classroom and perhaps doing um, things like that. So that's um, definitely something that I'm a big fan of and clearly that your students are a big fan of as well. So yeah, thank you very much both um, for those answers. What does a typical day look like in your role and how has this changed with remote learning and teaching? The short answer is it's highly variable. Um, a typical day, th there is no typical day really. There are a few things I try to keep constant as much as possible. I try to start my day with getting some exercise, going for a walk or going for a run. I, I need that to keep me sane, especially with everything that's going on. And first semester, typical day was basically spent preparing teaching materials all day, every day. Um, during lockdown, my kids are home. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? You know, you're just squeezing in things whenever you can. And, and that's about as much as I can say. Uh, life, is, life is chaotic and just push on as fast as, as much as possible. I think similar to Crispin, you know, there's no there's no typical day. Um, I, I really appreciate the way Christian's emphasising you know the importance of self care, and, and I think that I, I just want to sort of underline that because I think it's it, it's something that we should be embodying and and and, um, and and trying to demonstrate. You know, and a lot of that's about saying no to to, you know, to some of the other pressures that that sort of can eat up into that time. And I think that's something that we should be trying to model for students. I mean, and it's not easy. And you know what we've lived through in the last year kind of you know, as, as, as reminded us reminded us of that. The only thing I would I would sort of add into the exercise aspect for me is, is is about nature connection. So so just you know con connecting to the to the real world. But in terms of um, you know the, the the typical day, I mean it's it's really hard to to actually say. I mean there's a I spend a lot of time you know on on on, on feedback for example. So um, it's something that. You know, I view as part of the of, of the the dialogical process. So I think um, feedback isn't def definitive. It's a further opportunity for learning, and um, it's, it's therefore something that I invest a lot of time in. Um, it's not not the best answer to your question. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. And again, I think um, I'll say again, not claiming to represent all students, but I think a lot of what um, you're saying will probably resonate with lots of students' experiences of um, you know being online this year. Um, things being closed etc etc and it is really nice I think sometimes we kind of think that our lecturers are like really like these kind of adults who have like everything totally together who have the same day every day and it's all very um, planned out so I think it's probably nice for students to hear that actually you know especially during the pandemic everybody's been a bit kind of like oh gosh like what's happening um, yeah so I definitely really appreciate that and totally agree I think it's been it's difficult to describe what just one day looks like when um lots of the things that might usually structure our lives have kind of disappeared like having going into uni in person having lectures in person having the same timetable every week so and I totally get what you guys are um talking about what does your nomination in particular mean to you and how might this inform your approach to um, the next academic year so if there's anything that you might take forwards uh, next year? I'm not sure in terms of what it might mean for this next academic year. I think there's 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 a word that came up came to my mind when I was listening to Crispin earlier when he was describing his, his shift away from the sort of didactic approach and, and, and this creation of a space for 
for more of an interchange, for more supported learning, you know, and it's much more exploratory, it's, mu it's much more real, and, and, and it's this shift from explicit knowledge to applied knowledge, but also to other ways of knowing. So I think, I think um, for me, one thing that I'm seeing a lot in the feedback from the students is, is this real appreciation of the coaching they receive to to explore their, their own awareness of themselves. And I think when when you take, um, so my work, because I take a, one of my working understandings is that we are, you know, we, we are in relationships. So, so this question of who am I, you know, the I itself is a question and the I is in relationship to just so many other things. And so it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a co-created uh, understanding. And so the, for me, one of the things I'm, to continue exploring in the next year is moving beyond the apply the application of knowledge to the self-awareness that that is this third epistemology is this third way of knowing that I think our, our students are hungry for and that's to find out you know who am I and what is my contribution to the world you know and it's it's a it's a really important aspect of education that I think often gets overlooked so I'm, I'm hoping very much that you know that that would be encouraged um and um that i'll be able to invest more and more time in that i think it's what it's what good universities are about really is is, is helping people realize their full potentials and contribute um meaningfully to the world so, so you asked you know first of all what does a teaching nomination mean to me or oh, and glenn i think the most straightforward way for me to answer that is just it feels great um, almost all of my teaching is in large classrooms, I mean, large groups. So say 150, 200 students. And as much as I try to give opportunities to get to know the students and to work one-on-one, -on -one, like through my office hours, it, it's still really hard to get to know the students and to get to know, you know what, what works, what's a challenge for the students. Um, so what's not working so well. And so it's not the nomination so much that, that means so much. It, it's, the, it's the feedback from the students and hearing what they value. Teaching can be lonely, especially in large classrooms, um, because there's not many other people that come along and say, you've done a good job. You, know, you don't get staff coming along to you on a regular basis doing that. Um, that basically never happens. And so if you don't hear back from the students, then it can be pretty lonely. Um, and so to get feedback from the students knowing, to get feedback from the students saying that they really appreciated some things, that certain things worked, that's, that's huge. Um, I, I feel like it kind of closes the loop of trying to create community because you do your best to try and help the students and now students are helping you back. In terms of what it means for next year, well, I'll just say this year was a big experiment. Um, you know, I approached things in a way I'd never done before. And so, without meaning to sound callous, um, the feedback was essentially data. And the, the data tell me that uh, things weren't perfect, but by and large, things worked pretty well. Um, and so, this means going forward, um, I'm going to try and build on that. You know, keep the things that the students felt worked really well um, and try to tweak things uh, where there's room for improvement. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the general approach, but still tweak. 
I'll just pick up on one little thing there that, that, that Crispin said, which I think is essential because it's your questions about what do the teaching awards mean? And I think the role of the teaching awards in building community, in building you know, communities of practice, communities of learning is fundamental. I don't think we can overstate how important that is because, you know, it, it is crucial to, to um, sustaining staff and, and actually, you know, sort of bringing staff and students together in a, in a, in a, in a sense of community because often, you know, the, the, there can be a little bit of a, a divide there. So how would you describe your um, adaption into remote learning and teaching? And further to that, um, how through that have you aimed to build a community with your students this year, if at all? Okay, in terms of what I've done, um, I won't elaborate on that other than to say I've completely changed how I teach. Um, you know, I've not just taken lectures that I've done in the past and recorded them. As I was saying before, I use an entirely different format and create new materials and things. In terms of the experience, I'll say it's been brutal. It's, it's really, really hard. And it's not just hard for me, um, it's hard for the whole family. You know, it's like I'm, I work in our living room, which means there's uh, compromises for the whole family that have to be made for this type of job. In terms of building community, uh, that's a really hard thing to say. <laughs> Um, I think the bottom line is, I, I, some students have said that they, they like that we try and build community, and I'm not exactly sure what, what the, the magic words are. Uh, I think the essence is just to try and remember the students are humans. Um, so to remember, put yourself in their shoes, to think about how they're hearing what you're saying, um, to think about what they need, uh, to think about... To, to involve the students in what you teach as much as possible. Give them opportunities to make choices about exactly what you teach and how you approach it. One of the things that I did this year that students really seemed to appreciate, much more than I expected, was I organized a talent show for the students at the end of the semester. And it's just because I remember how much I loved my undergraduate experience, and it's because I was with my friends. You know, it's that social aspect is so much bigger than the education itself. The students weren't getting that, so I tried to do something to bring us all together, and they, they enjoyed it. I think I, in many respects, you know, I feel very fortunate listening to, to Crispin for two reasons. So firstly, um, my own teachings online because my, my two programs are delivered online. And secondly, um, you know, I, I haven't had to compromise in my own living space. You know, I've actually really enjoyed having the autonomy that, you know, working from home gives me because, you know, I've had much more control over um my work work environment and work schedule um so i feel i feel very very lucky there um so my my hat off to you crispin there for uh, for navigating that um so so very well um in terms of um building community though there, there, there are probably a few things that i think um i i would look to continue doing so one thing well there, there are two things that I do in the, in the dissertation years for the MSc students. Um, one is to to build on um, the deep learning skills they, they they explore in the innovative approaches course I run, and bring that into coaching circles. So I have students come together in, in groups of about four or five people to to provide a deep listening space um, for each other, which you know, sort of happens every two to four weeks and allows them to explore a learning threshold. And and so there's there's a lot of self awareness that comes of that. 
The other thing that I think is relevant to community building is this questioning of, of the system. And um, one thing that uh, for a group of students who are very interested in social justice issues and environmental justice issues, you know, we, we had a Donna Haraway reading group and we, you know, we, we actively explored a lot of her feminist thinking around you know, this challenge that is the Anthropocene and uh, students enjoyed coming together, having read a, you know, a piece of her work, dissecting it, but being vulnerable about it, you know, just just actually kind of just saying how, how difficult it was to understand this. Um, but also, you know, it was it was it was really profound seeing them growing in their understanding of um, of critical thinking, but through vulnerability, you know, through through actually sharing their uncertainty and their um, their not knowing and 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 being comfortable on that on that frontier between the known and the unknown, which <laughs> is what learning's all about. But is is you know too many? Well, we, we all like to play safe so much of the time because it comes with um, you know, it feels it feels safe playing safe, you know, and 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 that's often not where we stretch ourselves and learn. So it's kind of it's. Um, I think I think I think community building for me would be more about trying to create more of those spaces in which we can do that without feeling that it's too risky. Thank you both so much for talking to me today, and I'm excited for people to hear this podcast and um, to engage um, kind of more thoroughly with what you guys are saying. I think it just speaks to you know the teaching awards in general and this dialogue that we can have between students and teachers. Um, so yeah, thank you both very very much. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope to celebrate as many nominees as possible through the Hybrid Teaching Exchange, where some of our nominees have blog posts sharing their experiences. Keep an eye out on our social media pages on the 12th of May, where all of the winners will be announced throughout the day.